All right, hello everybody and welcome to the newest episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Presented by Anchor Podcasts, now available on YouTube and every week on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening and leave a review to help others find the show. A quick reminder where you can find the show on social media, on Twitter, at TapOutsNTDs, at Facebook.com slash TapOutsAndTouchdowns, and the email to the show, TapOutsAndTouchdowns at gmail.com. Make sure you search for our YouTube channel as we have new content coming soon on that platform. Uh, Welcome back to the show. It has been a few weeks. Uh, If you've been following my social media we got some cool shows coming up but you also will have seen that uh your guy bully rye went about a week without having any internet access at uh at my home which meant there was no streaming (laughs) any wrestling there was no uh, recording any wrestling uh on uh via the internet to, to, to give you any new shows and then right after i got internet back uh our co-host uh who i'll introduce here in a second uh took a fun little trip to watch the show uh, that we're going to talk about today in person. So without further ado, uh, let's invite back to the show, wrestling show co-host, PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing today, bud? I am fantastic. Uh, I did uh, take a trip to go to old Chicago for the first time to catch for uh, AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door, and it was an absolute blast. I cannot wait to get into it. Um, yeah, really fun stuff. I came back with a lot of cool comic books, came back with a lot of cool records, uh, and came out with a lot of great memories of that fantastic event. So, fun stuff. Love it. Yeah, shout out to the other guys you went to uh, with, uh, went with too, I should say, uh, to that event. Uh, some, some guys from our wrestling group, Suplex City, uh, were able to meet and get with you, uh, or, you know, y'all were able to get together up here. So, good stuff. Uh, yeah, Forbidden Door took place uh, not long ago. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to talk about it and present a show uh, right afterwards because of internet issues and travel issues. But we are here today uh, to discuss AEW New Japan Forbidden Door. So let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, let's let's start off the opening bell here. Give you sort of the uh, the, the parameters for the show. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling partnered with All Elite Wrestling on June 26, 2022, in Chicago, Illinois, at the United Center. Uh, the First big, now we, we've seen crossover with AEW and Impact Wrestling. We've also seen them allow New Japan talent uh, to come in and be, be involved on their, their weekly Dynamite and or Rampage shows. Uh, but this is their first big uh, pay-per-view. PJ, uh, what would you say the biggest uh, storyline heading into this, this, uh, this night was outside of the fact that we were going to crown a new world champion with the injury to CM Punk? We were going to get a monster main event, AEW versus New Japan uh, for the AEW World Championship. Yeah, uh, the biggest storyline, bar none, has got to be the Fatal 4-Way. Switch play Jay White being your New Japan pro wrestler, or excuse me, your IWGP heavyweight champion who had just defeated Okada. Um, them two, along with Hangman Adam Page and Adam Cole for the uh, IWGP heavyweight champion, world heavyweight champion, that has got to be the storyline to remember. That is, I know the term dream match gets thrown around a lot, but that's a legit dream match. You know, it doesn't get any bigger than that right now. 
Yeah. Uh, so you've got you've got a bunch of titles on the line here at this show. Uh, AEW has sort of become synonymous with really long pay-per-views. Uh, nothing wrong with it as long as all the matches are good, and we're going to see a lot of really good matches here. Um, 13 matches on this card, uh, including four on the buy-in pre-show. Again, main event of the of the card, John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. Uh, you mentioned the Fatal 4-Way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. We also saw the debut of the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, we saw a couple of debuts here, um, and you got to see a couple of special, uh, special appearances, uh, and, and we'll get that into that on the show. Um, as we mentioned, we had some injuries, so guys couldn't be on the show, including the the world champion CM Punk would would announce, uh, I guess, the week after he won the title that he suffered a foot injury that required surgery. So the uh, the AEW World Championship was vacated. We talked about that on the show. We also uh, have an injury to Brian Danielson. He was scheduled to face Zack Sabre Jr. at this event. Uh, it sounds like, uh, for, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like he suffered yet another concussion and uh, error on the side of caution. He would get to handpick an opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. on this card, and I cannot wait to get to that match. Uh, PJ, uh, before we take our first break and get into uh, the break it down, we're going to break down this card. Is there anything that that sort of stands out um, that that – our audience should should make sure they're listening out for uh, when we're going through this card. Um, I would just look out for, you know, let's be honest. You know, there's a lot of wrestling fans that aren't really familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think the biggest thing to, to keep an eye out and keep an ear out in this podcast today uh, is these names that we're naming off from the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster because they are phenomenal and they are – some of the greatest wrestlers that you've never heard of. And this is your chance to really get to know them a little bit and uh, do your, you know, to do your own research about them. And I think that's super fun. It's so funny. You mentioned that I, I wish I can remember his name. And if, and if you're listening and you, you were the one that I ran into uh, this week at a, when I was, when I was out working, uh, make sure you reach out to me on social media and let me know uh, because your name is eluding me at this point. I, uh, I was in, I was in target this week and saw a guy in a New Japan Pro Wrestling shirt, uh, which is not something you see very regularly. So, you know, got to talking with him, told him, how, you know, nice shirt, bud. And we got to talking. Uh, he jotted down the name of the podcast that he was going to follow and give me a listen. Uh, so, yeah, uh, to, to your point, if you're not familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, this show, if, you, if you're going to listen to our podcast and then use our analysis to sort of, decide whether or not you want to go watch the show um, will help you familiarize with some of the big names from new Japan pro wrestling uh, going forward. Uh, so that being said, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we are going to get into break it down. We're going to break down this 13 match card that took place in June of 2022, AEW new Japan forbidden door. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on tap outs and touchdowns.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the Break It Down segment, where PJ Steven and your guy, Billy Ryder, are going to break down AEW and New Japan's uh, cross-promotion Forbidden Door pay-per-view. 16,000-plus on hand for this uh, historic pay-per-view for, for both AEW and New Japan. The last time I remember seeing New Japan put on a show like this, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show, was the Ring of Honor Supercard from, I believe, 2018 that we got to see from Madison Square Garden. I'm sure they've had uh, other cross-promotional shows, but this is uh, this is big uh, because it'll put AEW better on a on a global map. A lot of guys in AEW um, sort, of, sort of became household names in New Japan before coming back to the States and helping to establish AEW. So let's get right into it, shall we? We've got the, they call it the buy-in. It's their version of the the, the pre-show. Uh, four matches on the buy-in, which is absolutely wild to me. The first match being Aaron Solo and QT Marshall taking on Yoshihashi and Haruki Goto from New Japan. Um, guess before I go before I go further uh, familiar name uh, calling this this match card tonight uh, the voice the American voice of New Japan Pro Wrestling Kevin Kelly on the call tonight in the booth with both Taz and Excalibur PJ how'd you feel about seeing Kevin Kelly work in this show man I was so excited so um I'm at the merch. I'm at the merch area right there, and um, <laughs> I'm in the big line, and I hear, "Please welcome from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kevin Kelly." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I like ran out there just to see his entrance, just to see him. Obviously, me being there live, I didn't get to hear, um, you know, what he was saying. But it's so cool to see Kevin Kelly, man. I think that he is like up there as opposed to the, or, uh, with you talking about the voices of wrestling he's got to be up there somewhere in the conversation uh big fan of his so that was really fun no i i agree completely uh yeah it's you know i, I think of kevin kelly i think of attitude era wwe and think of the yep. fact that he's he's been working this whole time he was in new japan or uh, new japan he was in ring of honor doing their color commentary for a while um obviously staying busy with new japan from an american standpoint so Let's get back to it. We've got this tag team match to open up. Forbidden Door, uh, you know, not much to say. The match only went eight minutes, 53 seconds. A lot of fun stuff. Um, you know, he's still garbage, but QT Marshall is a quietly pretty pretty athletic guy. The right guys get the win in Yoshihashi and Haruki Goto. I gave this match two stars. PJ, how'd you feel about this match to open up the Forbidden Door show? Uh, I did enjoy it. I think that um, it was just to get people on the card. Uh, but I, God, I love seeing Yoshihashi. One of my, definitely one of my favorites uh, in New Japan. And Hiroki Goto, always a pleasure to see as well. Uh, I'm still not a fan of QT Marshall, and I guess that's my fault. But um, yeah, oh, listen, I'm not stuff. either. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not a fan of QT Marshall. I do. There's something about Hiroki Goto that just. I don't know. I love I love seeing him in the ring. I don't know what it is, but but yeah, I he's, digress. He's fantastic, man, and you know, uh, yeah, big fan of this. So it was probably for uh, just to get just to get more people on the car. But yeah, I really did enjoy it. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. Next up, we've got uh, Nick 
Camarodo, help me help me if I'm pronouncing that right, taking on the is it the Murder Hawk monster Lance Archer? I know you're a Lance big Archer. Lance Archer guy. We get a six minute match here between Camarodo and Lance Archer. Uh, you know, I know you're a big fan of Lance Archer. I'm not as big of a fan. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, at the start of the match, he tried to like jump off the middle rope into the ring, almost broke his neck within the first three seconds of the match. Yeah. Um, now, watching Archer hit his finisher on Camarota was really impressive because Camarota is not a small guy. I gave this match a star and a half. Um, it's just a couple of big dudes here. Um, nothing, nothing really like, you know, not a shining spot. There's a reason why they're on the, on the buy-in. Uh, but, but I digress. PJ, I know you're a fan of Lance Archer. How'd you feel about this match here? I did really, I did really enjoy it. Um, I am a fan of Lance Archer. Uh, I'm actually looking at trying to, uh, do a meet and greet with him and Jake, the Robert, Jake, the snake Roberts, uh, for Russell Cade this year. But yeah, big fan of him, and uh, I think the match was fine. He, I mean, he did a moonsault off the middle rope um, towards the end of the match. Pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, good stuff here again. Um, I don't feel like you're missing anything if you don't see the match, but but I digress. Uh, next up on the card, you've got El Desperado and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, Yoshinobu Kanemaru taking on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. PJ, how did I do pronouncing that? Not too bad. It was pretty good. Kanemaru, yeah. Yeah, we get it. I knew the Kanemaru. I know I messed that up a few months ago when we did um, one of the uh, or one of the New Japan shows. You or Dingo, one or the other, got me to got that get that right. So um, yeah, they were they represent uh, Suzuki Goon, uh, who is the head of or who Minoru Suzuki is the head of. Fun stuff. Yeah, good stuff here. Uh, PJ, I'm gonna let you start us off here. Uh, the penultimate match on the buy-in. Uh, Suzuki Goon taking on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. I think this match was, was just so fun. They get plenty of time here, 12 minutes and eight seconds. Um, great spots. Um, you know, they throw in a little bit of the comedic aspect to it, and it just doesn't ever – I would love to see uh, Swerve Strickland and El Desperado in a, uh, in a singles match for uh, some sort of belt, maybe the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. But, God, unbelievable match. I love this. As God is my witness, the first note that I have for this match is I need a series between Swerve and Desperado. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. Swerve is just so spectacular. And obviously so is, um, and so is El Desperado. I mean, those guys could go all day. Yeah. um, I thought there was a, there was a spot where you got a a mist with whiskey thought would have called the mat or, you know, ended the match. Uh, There was a spot between Desperado and Swerve on the apron. That was nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really good match here. Uh, To me, the match of, the, the buy-in, uh, three and a half stars when I give this match. Immediately after, we get a setup, Keith Lee and Swerve against Hobbs and Starks. Um, Hobbs and Star, uh, Ricky Starks are, are up in the, uh, up in the, in the I guess, a press box. They're eating popcorn, uh, running their mouths at Lee and Swerve. We get a, we get a match set up for that um, here. And then the main event of the buy-in is an eight-man tag team match. Uh, man, some names here. Uh, and by names, I mean some names I'm not going to be able to pronounce. You get the, the AEW team of Max Caster and the Gun Club taking on the L.A. Dojo featuring Alex Coughlin, uh, the DKC, Kevin Knight. I'm going to butcher the crap out of this, PJ. Is it Yuya Umara? 
<laughs> is that is, is that that's the worst pronunciation I've ever done? No, it's not. It's not the worst. You've you've done you, you've done it, it's it's close. It's Yuya. Um, I'll see now. I can't even do it, even though like I had just had it in my head. Uh, you you Yuamura. Yuamura. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Anyway, um, not a bad if you, match. If you don't if you don't know who um if you don't know who uh, Alex Coughlin is, look him up. Because he is incredible, great worker, um, and a beautiful part of the Young Lions. So check him out. Yeah, this match would immediately turn into a four-on-two match. Danhausen comes in and gets under the skin of the younger of the of the of the guns, the two brothers. Uh, gets under the skin of the ass boys, uh, creating their own theme song. They run after uh, Danhausen, leaves Billy Gunn and Max Caster to fight by themselves, Billy Gunn. Uh, I love seeing Billy Gunn in the ring. You get to see the one and only and the famouser in this match. Um, honestly surprised they let the AEW two, uh, two-man two team go over the four-man team the, of New Japan that was left over. Um, but a, a good opportunity to push um, Max Caster uh, and, and possibly the Gun Club later on. We would we get some Gaga uh, on Dynamite following the show between um, the acclaimed and the gun club. Uh, but we'll see where that goes with that. Um, I really dig Max Caster. It looks like, and I can't say his partner's name. It looks like their, uh, their tag team may be back up. It looks like he's, he's fully healed. Um, so we might the, the, get the acclaimed uh, back on TV as a team. I gave this match two and a half stars, not the worst match on the card, not the best on the buy-in PJ, how'd you feel about the, uh, the main event of the buy-in here? I actually really hated the match. To be honest with you. Cause it made the new Japan low uh, dojo look weak. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's why I said yeah, it was, yeah, I hated that. I hated it. Yeah. That's why I said it was hard. It was, it was hard to understand letting the two team, the two man team go over the four man team. So I totally get what you're saying. That being said, I do really enjoy. Um, I do really enjoy Matt Caster as well. Yeah. Max Caster. Uh, I think, you know, his obviously he's got to come up and, and, and get his raps approved um, before before the cards. He's gotten in trouble with that before. Um, but uh, but he's he's talented. He's, he's decent on the mic. His rap gimmick seems to be working. So hopefully we'll see get to see where they, they go with him. This match was uh, not only uh, not the best, not the worst. It was also not the longest match on the card. It was the shortest match. On yeah. the buy-in, five minutes and 35 seconds as Max Caster and Billy Gunn uh, go over with Austin and Colton in the in the back after Danhausen. Um, PJ, we have reached the main card, and what a kickoff match for Forbidden Door. The main card kicks off with the team of Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and one of my favorite New Japan talent, Minoru Suzuki, taking on the team of Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. Uh, PJ, I'm going to let you start us off here. How'd you feel about the opening match on the main card of Forbidden Door? So if I could set the stage for you, being there when, you know, when this entrance was going on, it's just so fun. Uh, you know, obviously we get to hear Judas, but getting to hear Suzuki's theme 
and getting to shout with the crowd and oh it was just unbelievable i'm so glad he got his own entrance uh because i thought maybe they'd be stupid and not do that and they did you know it was amazing will yuda incredible talent with eddie kingston again like that crowd was behind eddie like it was nothing um if you don't know who uh shota um uh know is that is red shoes's son Yes. This this is some long term storytelling. I know people hate that word all of a sudden, but this is some long term storytelling going back to where Jericho was in New Japan and uh, and beat up on Red Shoes' son. So this is super cool, man, and a great match. I really enjoyed this match, and they went 18 minutes 58 seconds. They got plenty of time here on the opening bout. Um, I think I gave it about three and a half stars. I, I enjoyed this match a lot. I gave this match three and a half stars as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, there was a face-off with Suzuki and Eddie Kingston. I've, I've been very adamant. Um, I'm not a fan of, of Eddie Kingston, similar to where I don't necessarily believe uh, your, your guy Darby Allen. But the face-off with Suzuki and Eddie Kingston here were real fun. was real fun. There were some really fun high spots in this match. An avalanche power slam from Umino to Jericho, uh, which is a fantastic spot. Um, sort of a weak finish here, a physical high-flying match. Jericho hits that spinning back elbow for the win over Umino. I wasn't a fan of the finish, but the match itself was fantastic. Three and a half stars, a unanimous three and a half star match uh, yeah. between your guy and, and PJ Steven. Uh, what a match to kick off the card. It does not slow down here. The next matchup we have is and winner take all tag team championship match the iwgp and the ring of honor world tag team championships are on the line jeff cobb and the great okan uh i say the, the great okan great okan the iwgp heavyweight world tag team champions uh taking on rapongi vice from aew also taking on ftr the reigning ring of honor world tag team championships I don't have many notes from this match. I'll give them to you, and then I'll give my rating, and then I'll give the floor to you, PJ. Uh, man, the pop for Pete FTR. FTR <laughs> is over like Rover, baby. They are they are killing it, um, as they should be. Um, really dig the angle uh, with, with, with Dax's injury in the match. Come to find out it was not an injury. He would pop his shoulder out, go in the back, pop it back in. Uh, he would come out later in the match uh, to, to, I guess, to another great ovation. Um, there was a Storm Zero spot with Rapongi Vice. I thought they had the match. Great fall finish. Um, I knew going into the match he was going to win, um, but really fun match. I'm not going to spoil the winner because I'm going to let you uh, kind of give your notes and then, and then give the winner here. Um, four stars is what I gave this match. Uh, we would see the IWGP and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships um, essentially unified, not necessarily unified in a sense of they're going to be one of one and the same, but uh, they're they're going to be taken home by one single tag team. PJ, how'd you feel about this tag team championship winner take all match here? Uh, <laughs> great, great, great stuff here, man. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I love the storytelling, like you said, with Dax. Um, and, you know, I heard it from the source about uh, about his shoulder injury because I ran into Dax Hardwood at the airport uh, in Chicago, which is super fun. 
I'm glad, um, I'm glad that he wasn't a total jerk because I know how they are about wrestling fans approaching him at airports. So kudos to he, him for that too. Yeah, he was very cool. I, I, you know, I just asked him like, Hey man, you know, uh, how's your shoulder? I hope everything is great. And like, congratulations, man. And, you know, we talked for a second and then I let him, I, you know, I left him alone. Um, I love seeing Jeff Cobb. Anytime I get to see Jeff Cobb, that's a, that, that is such a plus. And, uh, uh Rapongi Vice, man, like Rapongi Vice rather, uh, so cool to see them too because I've never gotten to see them live. So seeing that was really fun. Rocky Romero is a fucking treasure. Um, yes, of course FTR went over. Of course FTR went over. They have been booking this title or the uh, the belt collectors thing for a long time now, and I, it was really really cool to see. Uh, match got four stars in my book. Um, good stuff. Love it. Yeah, another another unanimous four star match here. Uh, yeah, oh, let me let me just comment too. The ta- the uh, the double team moves between all three of these teams is just out of this world, man. Loved it. Yeah, I'm never a huge fan of triple threat or fatal four way tag team matches. This is one that you need to get out go out of your way to watch. Um, quite possibly one of the matches of the card here. Um, God, it was so good. Uh, so fun. Uh, obviously, um, you know, with the injury to Dax, he was able to return. And the it's hard to believe that they would be able to do anything like this if they had, if they had stayed in WWE. They are now the AAA, the Ring of Honor, and the IWGB Heavyweight Tag Team Champions of the World. It is, to me, just a matter of time before they throw the AEW tag team titles on there, and they are the most decorated tag team in professional wrestling. I'm talking the the New Age Dudley boys. If you remember years ago, the Dudleys held a bunch of titles at once. Um, I think these guys may be even more talented than the Dudleys were. Um, That's that's saying a lot because the Dudleys are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But both of these guys can work as, as, as singles competitors. They're a great tag team. I never want to see these guys break up. The only thing that would make it better for me with FTR is if there was an agreement made where they can go and win even the NXT tag team titles and have like an entire global set of tag team titles, like the tag team Ultimo Dragon of the 2020s. Like it would just, it would be incredible to me. I love this match. Love FTR. Kudos to them. Good stuff here. Go out of your way to watch this, this tag team match. Uh, the next match on the card, we're going to get, we, I talked about triple threat, fatal four way tag team matches. Uh, the next match on the card is a fatal four way tag team match. I should mention before I move on that the, the last match we, we talked about when 16 minutes, 19 seconds, um, it was it was top five as far as time allotted on the card. Um, the next match on the card was a little shorter, 15 minutes and 10 seconds. The All Atlantic Championship, the brand new AEW Championship, uh, is being decided in a fatal four way match between Pac, Miro, uh, otherwise known as as well. Let's just go into it. Malachi Black and Clark Connors. Three of the four of these guys were well known in WWE. Uh, obviously, Pac being Neville, Miro being Rusev, and Malachi Black being Aleister Black, uh, otherwise known as Tommy End. Uh, Clark Connors, I was not familiar with, with anything Clark Connors has done. Uh, quietly put on a really good match here. PJ, I'm going to let you start us off here. How would you feel about this uh, AEW All-Atlantic Championship match? Fatal 4-Way, Clark Connors, Miro, Pac, and 
and Malachi Black. So I got to say, this match was a, just a little disappointing for me at the time because Tomori Ishii was supposed to be on the, on the card as well. And he got a knee injury, I believe, and they replaced him with Clark Connors, which Connors is a great worker. I'm not denying that at all. Big fan of his. Uh, but I was really there. Man, I'd love to see fucking Ishii because I'm such a big fan of the Stone Pit Bull. That being said, this match was incredible, man. You have such great talent in this match. Um, I'm glad that Pac went over. Uh, you, they went, what, 15 minutes here? About 15, 10 minutes? Or 15, yeah, 15 minutes, minutes 10, 10 seconds. seconds, yep. And, um, yeah, really good stuff here, man. Tremendous action. I love the, you know, the, the slight false finishes that we did have. Um, Big fans of that kind of shit. And, um, you know, a lot of people are giving the All-Atlantic Champion shit. I think it looks fucking sweet. You know, and I get, you know, well, there's a Japanese flag on there. It's like, oh, well, okay, sorry. I think it's fucking fun. It looks fucking cool, and, you know, I'm into it. Um, And I'm glad Pac went over, too. I thought they were going to give it to Miro, uh, to be honest with you. But, no, this is a a four-and-a-half-star match, man. Yeah, I so I didn't give it quite that many. I gave it three-and-a-half stars. Uh, to your point, wrestling fans who make who, who talk crap about titles, uh, the only title that they've really had any any sort of leverage to talk crap about was a twenty four seven title because it looks like a giant, uh, uh, what do you call it, a giant record, like a giant vinyl record on yeah. a plastic. Other other than that, like most of the titles look cool. I love that. I dig the look of this title. Um, I'm with you. I thought they were going to give it to Miro. Um, but Pac gets the win. A couple notes. Miro almost doesn't catch Connors early in the match, but Connors almost uh, really messed that up. Um, really decent match. A lot of action, not a lot of downtime. Uh, pretty fast pace for the most part. Clark Connors got zero reaction coming out of the back. Yeah. By the end of the match, the crowd got hot for him, man. He picked it up, did a really good job winning the crowd over. Good for him. Uh, didn't think I've, I've, I, I should say, I don't think I've ever seen anyone fight that camel clutch. Like I saw Pac did, uh, that the, I don't know what, what, what Miro calls it in, in AEW, but that camel clutch Pac really fought it. Um, you get Alistair or say Alistair black Malachi black with the, with the black mist. I thought he was going to get the win there. Uh, we mentioned, I did not see Pac winning. I did not see him winning by submission. What yeah. an unexpected finish. Um, sometimes like the unexpected finishes can be very underwhelming. Not in this case. It was really cool. I gave this match three and a half stars, not quite the four and a half stars you gave it, but a great match. Nevertheless, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, in the pre-show, a lot of stuff or in the buy-in, I should say a lot of stuff to get as many people on the card as possible. And it looks like, um, that's what we continue to get here. Another fatal four one match. The next match. Um, we get a six-man tag team match, a trios match, if you will. Uh, the Bullet Club uh, can, uh, featuring the Young Bucks and El Phantasmo taking on a team they're calling Dudes with Attitudes, uh, which the only, uh, two, yeah. the only two dudes with attitudes I remember, if I'm not mistaken. Who are the two dudes with attitudes? This is going to drive me nuts now. But nevertheless, here we get Sting, Darby Allen, and Shingo Takagi. Uh, Shingo Takagi, I know a name that you know uh, very well. Um, man, this match started two news with attitudes. How am I not remembering this? It was uh, Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels were two dudes with attitudes. Well, uh, there was a dudes with attitudes. Um, 
there was a dudes with attitudes tag team in WCW in the mid nineties that Sting led. And I think okay. that's why that they added that in. I'm going to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that's why, because Joe and I were even like, what the fuck is this name? And I was like, I'm pretty sure like that's what that was. Well, I digress. This match was phenomenal considering it was a six man tag match. Um, probably the spot of the night here. A 63-year-old Sting <laughs> jumps off the top of the stage yes, to uh, let me, let me, start let me, the match. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick on that. Yes, Dudes with Attitudes was Sting, the Steiner Brothers, uh, Paul Orndorff, and Junkyard Dog. Yeah, well. That, that must that must have been uh, their like, war game shit. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, never. No, I mean, we talk about Sting being a dude with attitude back then. Uh, is he trying to kill himself at this point in his career? Like he doesn't need to be doing this stuff. And, and fortunately for him that the, the bullet club caught him like they were supposed to, what a dive by sting off the top of the stage. Um, beyond that, a typical young bucks match. I uh, make Darby Alley look really good. They're also about the size of Darby Allen. So it makes sense. Uh, Sting balling out in this match, looking stronger than ever, eating and no selling the double super kick in this match. Yeah, I love um, that. Love that because fuck those super kicks. Yeah, no kidding. And then uh, Shingo Takagi gets the win over El Fantasmo. What a fun match to watch. Four stars is what I gave this this match. Uh, PJ, I, I kind of took all the high spots away from this, but what do you feel about this match between a one-night-only Bullet Club reunion taking on dudes with attitudes? I think El Fantasmo is super underrated in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I agree. He's a fantastic, fantastic worker. That being said, man, this match was great. Um, I know how you, I know your feelings. I know your feelings on Darby Allen, um, and I. You know, I Listen, get it. He belonged in this match. He belonged in this match. He has the same body type, the same skill set as the Young Bucks. It makes sense why he was in this match. He was believable in this match. You put him against, I don't know, a uh, a powerhouse Hobbs. You put him against, uh, why can't I say, you put him against a Wardlow. It doesn't make sense if he wins those matches without any sort of outside interference. But I digress. Please, yeah, please. yeah, that, that that is true. That um, who, who interfered in Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton and Kurt Angle for Rey Mysterio to win? Who interfered in that match? Was it a triple threat match? Yeah, yeah. Who interfered in that match? It was a triple threat match. Who interfered in that match? I don't remember. Did somebody interfere in that match? No, nobody. That's my yeah, point. Yeah, it was a triple threat match. That's why. So could Darby Allen? So could so Darby Allen could win in a match against Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs? Maybe if Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs beat the hell out of each other, and Darby Allen was able to sneak in and get the win, because because let's say let's say uh, I don't know. So let's obviously hypothetically, and I don't want to get too far away from this match here. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs gets hit with the the Powerbomb Symphony by by Wardlow, and then. Um, I mean, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta figure that Darby Allen out of nowhere, like drop kicks Wardlow and he goes to the outside of the ring and then gets the pin over powerhouse Hobbs. Or if like he hits the powerbomb symphony and then somebody interferes and knocks out, knocks out Wardlow drags Arben back, drags Darby Allen over Hobbs gives him the one, two, three. Yeah, that would make sense. Clean. So, no way. Not in a million years. 
so it so it could happen. I'm just making sure. Yes, and the specific outline of how I described how you would put together the storytelling of a match in which Darby Allen can go over guys like Powerhouse Hobbs and or Wardlow. Yes, that would make sense. Going over clean would never make sense to me. That's technically still clean because nobody interfered, by the way, and there's no sense of disqualification. I get the difference in what you're saying. Okay. It's still it's still at um, least we're at least we're coming to an agreement. But nevertheless, I can't wait for Darby Allen to get the AEW world title and he's gonna he's gonna I think he's he's gonna make Wardlow tap out. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I swear, I swear <laughs> I won't watch Dynamite if he's world champion. I will not watch Dynamite until somebody tells me that he's been beaten for the world title. No, he's never going to get beat. They're going to reigns that motherfucker. Um, but uh, no, okay. So, but for real, this match, unbelievable. Sting, uh, great showing, great storytelling. There was a little bit of a botch with Sting. Um, he <laughs> he knocked out Young Bucks out of the ring. Then he went out to the ring, and El Fantasma was supposed to turn around. Yeah, and I guess Sting I was supposed this. to give him a little titty twister. And you see Matt Jackson, I believe, go like, "Hey, go back in the ring." And Sting turns around, goes back in the ring. And then they do that spot. But, you know, whatever. He's like 60 and like, you know, you forget shit. Well, uh, not to mention match, Sting, with still... a, Sting with a purple nurple. That's that's honestly, it's below him. But yeah, I agree. You know, uh, really, really fun stuff here, man. I really enjoyed this match. It, it, it told great stories and it had some great spots. Yeah, it gave this match four stars. And immediately after this match, uh, we get a backstage segment with Umino, uh, who was in the the the. The match again. This the opening match of the card, uh, the original six man tag match to start the card. Uh, Jericho would show up and and look like you were gonna. He was gonna give him props. Nope, throws a fireball in the face of Umino because Jericho is a wizard. Uh, PJ, before we get into the next match, are you over this fireball angle that Jericho can throw fireballs at people? I'm very over it. Like I get the idea of like so. So here's the thing. Like Hogan tried the fireball against Warrior at Halloween Havoc, and it blew up his his own face. Jericho did it to Eddie Kingston, and it worked. It looked good. The next time we saw Eddie Kingston, his face was burned. He is completely healed at this point. There is no reason. There, it's like they're overdoing it. It's like okay, this really worked. This was cool. So let's do it every week now, or let's at least tease it every week now. I am just. Stop it. Like Jericho has done a great job of reinventing himself over and over again. Cut the fireball shit out. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Yeah, it's really not. I'm not into it. It's it's fun. But yeah, it's, it's not 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 what I'm into. Well, uh, considering New Japan Pro Wrestling does not have a women's division, uh, we get a the first women's match on this card. Uh, immediately following this tag team match, if you let me get back to my notes here, the AEW Women's World Championship is on the line. Tony Storm challenging Thunder Rosa. PJ, I'm going to let you start us off here. Uh, gave this match three stars. And that's as much as I'm going to give right now. How'd you feel about this match for the AEW Women's World Championship? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> it was definitely the weakest match on the card. But it still was a really great match. It went 10 minutes. They got plenty of time, just a bright amount of time. Um, good storytelling here. And you get Thunder Rosa going over. I think she's I think they're really gonna book her to be an unstoppable champion until someone can uh, de um, dethrone her. 
And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. Good stuff. Yeah, this match went 10 minutes, 42 seconds. The previous match in comparison went 13 minutes and one second. Uh, really decent match until they started trying to do a bunch of stuff on the apron and outside of the ring. I feel like guys sort of got sloppy and, and too overly choreographed. Um, I, I thought it was a weak finish, basically a twisting vertical suplex for the win. Um, thought it might have been okay to get the title of Tony Storm here. Um, maybe we get a rematch with with Rose Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker down the line now. Um, I, I think to your point, it's gonna. I, it's maybe they're gonna give her a run here, but uh, and, and see it's it's gonna take somebody of, of epic proportions to knock her off. So in saying that, um, and we're we're gonna get to that. We're, we've got next week's show. Um, a, a little preview of next week's show. We're going to talk about uh, a, a WWE's Money in the Bank match, uh, which brings me to think about the fact that it's seemingly every women's wrestler in WWE has gotten a run with the women's title at that point. And I, I, I've got a feeling that AEW is trying to do the opposite here because we've had, what, three or four women's champions in AEW so far? Um, would that be accurate, PJ? And would you agree that, like, AEW is doing a better job of keeping the prestige on the women's championship instead of hot potatoing it so that everybody has a run with the title, like, like in WWE. Oh, most definitely. I'm telling you, the women's division in AEW is better represented than WWE, bar none. I just, I think about like even Alicia Fox and no knock on Alicia Fox because she's a great entertainer, uh, athletic, you know, whatever. Even she had a run with the Divas title. Like, if you think about the women on the on the WWE women's roster right now, Charlotte, former champion, Natalia, former champion, Becky Lynch, former champion, Asuka, former champion, Carmella, former champion. I mean, the list, you've got to go 10 to 15 names on the women's roster before you get to someone who has never had a title run in WWE. Um, I think... AEW does a good job because they also have the TBS championship, which is meant to be a second or a, you know, they're not going to, they would never call it a mid card title, but basically the mid card title for the women's, the women's division. And they've got it on somebody strong because they've got an undefeated TBS champion right now, uh, basically making that title look just as strong as the women's world championship. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure if I would characterize it as the women's, women's division at AEW being better represented, but they are better representing the titles because it seems to be much harder and much more difficult right. to, to, you know, win uh, that championship to achieve being a champion at AEW. So kudos to them for that. And because it makes it seem like that they, <laughs> it makes it seem like that they have more than just a few, great talented women. Whereas, you know, you always hear WWE. Well, what about the four horsemen? Like what about the four horsemen? One of them's gone. Two of them are gone. Yeah. One of them doesn't do much anymore. And well, actually, when's the last time you've seen any of them now that I'm thinking about it? Are you talking about the, are you talking about the four horsemen or the four horse women? Well, the four horse women, the women. Yeah. So uh, Becky Lynch was, was, you know, she was a champion up until WrestleMania. Sure. Charlotte was a champion up until Fastlane, or not Fastlane, uh, pay, uh, Backlash. Um, so you had two of the four horse women, four horse women there. Uh, Bailey has been out with injury, and Sasha Banks is is 
quietly no longer with with the company. So, uh, yeah. But, but my point, my point is that you rely on inconsistency. That argument relies on inconsistency. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree. Well, I'll tell you what's not inconsistent, and that's the performances uh, put on by the next guy uh, in in the next matchup here representing New Japan. The IWGP United States Championship is on the line as Will Ospreay defends his championship against Orange Cassidy. Uh, we get a an appearance from Juice Robinson, who has the IWGP United States Championship title belt um, in his possession. Uh, I guess there's an angle that he was retiring and then came out of retirement, joined Bullet Club, and claims that he was never defeated for that championship. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get Will Ospreay as the champion taking on Orange Cassidy. Um, PJ, you're going to call me crazy. I have got uh, – I've got – this match is a five-star match. Oh, no, it's it's definitely a five-star match. It is the match of the card. It's the match of the night. And that is considering that um, we're going to get uh, two world title matches later on this card and uh, the debut of someone that that I, I can't wait to talk about. But um, – PJ, I, I have I, I don't have much to say, but having not a lot to say does not really give this match its due. I'm gonna let you start us off here. How'd you feel about this match between Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy? I gotta be honest, going into it, I was like, man, I wish Will Ospreay had a better spot on the card, man. Like, yep, yep. You know, but <laughs> this was so surprising and just so terrific. By the way, Will Ospreay has the best theme, one of the best themes in pro wrestling right now. I fucking love that United Empire theme. Oh, um, yeah. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah, I really loved this match. They told such a great story. The psychology in the match was the best I've seen in a long time. Um, God, the spots in that match. The false finishes with Orange Cat over the Orange Cassidy kicking out of Will Ospreay. He kicked out of the Hidden Blade. Uh, he kicks out of the Oss Cutter. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this match. I would watch it again. If you watch, if, if you want to watch, watch the whole pay-per-view. Um, but if you want to watch one match on this card, it's got to be this one. Will Ospreay may be one of the best workers in the world. Like, oh, yeah, top, he is. He is. Five. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, we, we, we sort of touched on Darby Allen a minute ago. Um, Orange Cassidy was one of those guys that not only did Jim Ross come out and say like, he's never going to get this over. Like this guy's dumb. And then saw the crowds getting behind it. Like, okay, I like, whatever, like the crowds like it, whatever, I'll take it. Um, I was not a fan of Orange Cassidy when I first saw Orange Cassidy. I thought his gimmick was dumb. I thought his, uh, some of his storytelling in the matches was an insult to the business, like his nonchalant kicks and the, the, you know, the, the little nonchalant sidekick, like the work kicks that crowds went nuts for. I thought it was a, a disgrace to the wrestling business, but all right, Cornette relax, but orange Cassidy can work his freaking ass off. Yeah. He is a uh, talent. Um, he and Osprey put on a clinic here. Um, again, I, I wrote in my notes, this might be the match of the night at this point. It was the match of the night period. Um, I, it, all my notes just like match of the night. Good Lord. What a good match. False finishes were nuts. Great finish killer match. Like everything basically pointed back to the fact 
that this was the match on the card. 16 minutes and 43 seconds. It was the, I believe, fourth longest car, uh, match on the card. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, Will Ospreay uh, gets the gets the win, retains the IWGP United States Championship. But if Orange Cassidy was not on the worldwide map before, he is on the worldwide map now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Most that, that guy can go. And at the end of the match, PJ, we got a special appearance by somebody. You want to touch on that or you want me to uh, divulge that Ooh, information? It was uh, okay. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Okay. So Will Ospreay goes over on Orange Cassidy, obviously. Um, we get the appearance of, is it Team Aussie? Is that what their name is? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. They come out, they start punishing Orange Cassidy. And dude, we hear the music of Katsuri Shibata, who we had seen earlier in the day arrive at the airport with um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, but didn't think, didn't know what he was going to be doing. And he comes out and puts a clinic on Will Ospreay. Uh, puts him in the sleeper, does the uh, turnbuckle drop kick, and we see Orange Cassidy putting the aviators on Shibata, which is just so fun. So fun, man. It was so cool. I loved it so much. It was so good. And if you don't know who Katsuri Shibata is, uh, do some research. Check it out. He is the most prominent wrestler, wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is just unbelievable um and it, it's so great to see him back in a ring after a horrible injury like he sustained um amazing shit amazing shit i could not believe he came out just fucking tremendous man Love yeah it. what a what a fun spot here um you know we talk about fun spots um we're we're getting close to the end of the card. We've got one final match before we get the world championships being defended here. And this is the this is what we've all been waiting for. Zach Sabre Jr. taking on a hand-picked opponent by Brian Danielson. I mentioned earlier in the show. Brian Danielson has suffered an injury at the last pay-per-view. Uh he it is rumored that it is a concussion. And with his history of concussions, they are, I guess, erring on the side of caution. So he is going to handpick an opponent here. And the pop that my dude got uh, was incredible. The AEW debut of Claudio Castanoli. If that name does not ring a bell to you, he is better known in WWE as Cesaro. Cesaro has debuted as the next member of the Blackpool Combat Club and Brian Danielson's hand-picked opponent, Claudio, is here in AEW. Uh, I honestly thought it looked like it was going to be a squash. It's, he started off the match, looked like he was going to hit the neutralizer right off the bat. I was going to lose my shit if he had won in a squash in his, uh, in his AEW debut. Really great technical work here. Thought it ran a little long. The match did go 18 minutes, 26 seconds. I probably could have taken an extra three minutes in the previous match and not been upset about it. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, brought it arm, brought it home with a cross arm power bomb by Claudio for his first win in AEW. I gave this match three and a half stars. Cesaro, aka now known as Claudio, getting the win over Zack Saber Jr. PJ, you were there. 
was the pop as big as it was on TV? And how did you feel about this match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Claudio? It was unbelievable. We all kind of knew, you know, that it was going to be Claudio. Yeah. Claudio. So, yeah. To be clear, the rumors were either Claudio or Johnny Gargano. Because Johnny Gargano had posted something on his Twitter that he had landed in Chicago. So yeah. to your point, yeah. And fun, fun stuff, man. I love his theme. Oh, God, it's so good. Like with the guitar and oh, my God. So even in the audience, we were sitting there just going like, whoa, 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 like, uh, um, yeah. When he almost squashed him, the crowd went fucking nuts. I gave this match four stars. It was just so good and let's not skip on Zack Sabre Jr. I'm not a big fan of his by any means um but I love his work oh yeah uh I I think he's a dick in real life and I can't stand him but his he's an amazing wrestler and I cannot take that away from him but this was an unbelievable match great surprise kind of um and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with Claudio because he's fantastic and he's a fantastic wrestler. He should have got better uh, opportunities in WWE, but that's okay because he's at a better place where he can thrive a little bit more and have some freedom. I'm happy about it. So I don't want – because this the show is obviously going to run long because the Forbidden Door pay-per-view went long. Um, I am not familiar with Zack Sabre Jr. on uh, a behind-the-scenes, um, uh, I guess, purview. I, I, I the, My first – my first introduction to Zack Sabre Jr. was in the original Cruiserweight Classic Tournament in WWE. Would you prefer us to talk off the air, or do you have anything that, that you have even secondhand knowledge of as to why you base your opinion on Zack Sabre Jr. outside of the ring? Um, he has reputations of treating just treating people like shit. I mean, he's a – He's a, it's just the way he is. He's just a British dickhead. Uh, he thinks he's better than everyone else. But the thing is, he is better than a lot of other people. And he, I mean, and he uses that. Um, I mean, his, his nickname was the dickhead hunter. Just nice. used to be what, what that is. Uh, but he is probably the greatest um, technical wrestler in the world. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to deny it. Um, He's been Evolve, uh, Evolve champion. He's been the uh, GSW breakthrough champion, all English champion a few times. He's won the New Japan Cup. He's won the IWGP tag team champion a couple times. Um, and he won the G1 Climax. I mean, he's been the Rep Pro Undisputed British heavyweight champion. I mean, I can go all day. The guy is insane. Um, he's just a dick, and that's just the way it is. Uh, PJ, uh Good insight. I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I never, I've never heard any of that kind of stuff. But I guess, um, you know, they say never meet your heroes, and uh, you probably, if if Zack Saber Jr. is one of them, you may, you, it, it may not be something that you're <laughs> that you're wanting to move forward with. Uh, PJ, we're going to take our last last break. Uh, we're going to go into the main event. Our main event will be the double main event of AEW New Japan Forbidden Door, and then we're going to go into what the implications of this sort of pay-per-view have for the future of professional wrestling. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we can fantasy book some stuff here in the main event, but we're going to take our last break. When we come back, our main event of the, of the show will be the double main event of new Japan, AEW forbidden door. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the main event right here on tap outs and touchdowns.
The Sarcasm Remains podcast with Fuzzy B. Charleston's favorite podcast should be yours too. Go to www.thesarcasmremains.com for more info. All right, everybody, welcome back to the main event of this week's Tap House of Touchdowns. PJ Steve and your guy, Bully Rye, back at it, bringing you the double main event of AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling present uh, Forbidden Door. Uh, PJ, we're going to start off the main event here with the match that you are looking forward to most here on this card. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship is on the line and what many would call a dream fatal four-way. The champion, Jay White, representing Bullet Club, taking on Hangman Adam Page, uh, also defending against Adam Cole of the Undisputed Elite, and Kazuchika Okada, uh, former world champion. Uh, originally, I don't, I don't think they were expecting him to be able to be on this card, and eventually they would they would add him. Is that Would that be accurate, or was, was this always planned? For him to be on the card, uh, and but I thought they put the title on White because they didn't think Okada would be able to be on this card. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I had heard both things, so I had also heard that uh, Okada's wife was um, going to be delivering her their baby around yes. that time. So that's why they thought maybe he couldn't be on it. But I'm I'm not sure to be honest with you. That being said, this. Um, this card didn't need Okada. This card was just fine. But adding Okada just upped it to, you know, turn it up to 11. I mean, it's it, it's great to see him here, and it was great to see his entrance live again. Still no Okada dollars, but that's okay. I digress. No bitching. Um, this match was incredible, and we're going to get to the finish. But leading up to the finish, this crowd was so happy to see these four guys. They couldn't even get the match started because – we were just so busy clapping and applauding that this was even happening. Yep. We were very, very happy to be there, and we I just couldn't get the smile off my face the entire match. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, PJ, this was the match we're looking forward to most. I'm going to let you give us give us the give us your, you know, your your analysis. What what did you think about? I mean, I thought it was a pretty funny match with a, a pretty super clunky ending. Yeah. Um, but it would come to find out uh, the person who would eat the pin in this match being Adam Cole. Um, apparently suffered his own head injury slash concussion, which probably added to uh, the clunky ending. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw who was winning coming. I probably rated this match a little lower than you did. Uh, I, I maybe compared it to the match between, um, you know, the, the five-star match, Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay. Um, I gave this match three and a half stars, but yeah, Give us your analysis and your thoughts on this match, PJ. So, I mean, we talked about it before that, um, you know, about the the finish, and we'll get there. They did a great job of of letting the of letting them separate there because fatal four ways are sometimes hard to book. These guys did a good job of separating to uh, to have their individual storylines, and the psychology of it totally made sense. Loved the spot with Adam Cole giving Jay White the backstabber. Um, 
really cool. Love that. Loved the um, the attitude of Jay White just being like, you know, him and Adam Cole are, are going to team up, and then, but you know, Jay White's going to have his own agenda. Uh, seeing Okada and Paige finally go at it, great stuff. Um, uh, love the cer- certain spots, man. We get to see uh, Okada try to hit some rainmakers. Uh, Adam Cole is ducking them all. Um, we get Adam Cole going down very suspiciously. Jay hits a blade runner on Okada and then runs over and pins Adam Cole for the unexpected three count. It appeared that Adam Cole had put his shoulder up, but it was the inside shoulder, not the outside. And what we will later learn is that Adam Cole was severely concussed during the match. And that the, that's why I got to say that ending really did let the wind out of my sails and i'm not blaming adam cole for that at all because it's a legit injury and adam cole is 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 very hurt but at the time i was like damn it all i wanted was a great finish to this fucking match and the wind was let out just a little bit i was i was slightly disappointed and then of course the main event happened and i was just fine but um yeah still a fantastic match and all four men deserve praise yeah, like you know, to me watching it watching it live, uh, you know, Adam Cole is not the you know, he didn't get hit with it would have been different if he had gotten hit with Okada's Rainmaker and then and then Jay White hits Okada and then goes to get the win uh, over Cole, but Cole didn't take a finishing move. He's just he was just kind of down and took the pin. Yeah. Uh like you said, it definitely took the wind out of the sails of the match. Um, but I digress. Uh, it was still a really good match for the most. I mean, like you said, did a good job of separating everybody out. Really good pacing to the match. You got to see some stuff that you wanted to see as far as face-offs and, and you know, whatever. But it, it, again, watching an IWGP world title match on American soil in yeah. a city like Chicago uh, is just, it's phenomenal, man. It was, it was great stuff. Um, that being said, I liked this match better than I liked the actual main event of the card. You get the AEW interim world championship, uh, on the line, a vacated championship due to the injury to CM Punk, Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on John Moxley. Um, I, in my notes, I wrote that I really didn't enjoy the match all that much, uh, but it was still decent. Lots of Gaga after the match to help set up the blood and guts AEW dynamite three days following this, this show. Um, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, I mean, listen, I'm going to spoil the ending and I'm gonna let you give your thoughts on this match. Moxley obviously goes over, gets the AEW interim world championship. I gave this match three and a half stars. Um, I don't want to say that the right guy got the got the title because I feel like in this context, Tanahashi is a better wrestler than John Moxley. Absolutely. I understand why they would not put the AEW world title on a wrestler contracted with New Japan Pro Wrestling, even though New Japan has now put their tag titles on a team contracted with AEW. They have allowed contracted wrestlers from AEW to hold the IWGP United States Championship in Moxley and Lance Archer. So um, 
if anything, and this is just my opinion, if they had put the world championship on Hiroshi Tanahashi, I thought it probably would have done more for the AEW world title than giving John Moxley his second run because I believe now John Moxley is he not the only two-time to AEW world champion now? Yeah, correct. So I feel like they would have they could have done more for the championship had they put it on Hiroshi Tanahashi than John Moxley. But again, you can't have an American-based company with a Japanese-contracted wrestler as your world champion because you know they're not going to be able to be on programming as much, especially with AEW sort of trying to continue to push this narrative that although they want to be the number one company in the world, the number one company in the States, they want to continue to be that number two wrestling company in the States. So, PJ... I gave this match the exact same rating as the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, although I enjoyed the penultimate match on this card better. How did you feel about the match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and John Moxley here? <clears throat> I think it was I think it was a great match. Um, I would have preferred Tanahashi going over as well, only because just to shake things up a little bit. You know, I think that would have been fun. Um, th- that being said, it was a really good match. I gave it four and a half. Um, I really loved seeing Tanahashi in the ring live again. Uh, I think him and John Moxley had good chemistry, which I was surprised about because I didn't think they would have the chemistry that they did. And they, they really did have great chemistry. Um, no, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Something- and I, I, I will say that the finish was nice too. Uh, you had, you, you really told the story of like, you know, is Moxley going to be able to get this guy? Is Moxley going to be able to put him away? And it made sense the way it happened. Yeah, we didn't mention the timing on the last two matches of the card. The four fatal four-way match went 21 minutes, five seconds. This match went 18 minutes, 14 seconds. But you could argue that this match was extended because of some of the gaga at the end of the match. Um, you know, like, again, you set up blood and guts that would be the following Wednesday. Um, apparently, Claudio and Eddie Kingston now don't get along. I don't think Eddie has any friends outside of – Santana and Ortiz like they, he's got a problem with everybody that comes into the company so exactly though that's his that's his little that's his little thing he's, he's he he's he you know me against the world kind of shit well nevertheless um I, you know I feel like um a, a, a card like this an event like this should have ended without having some gaga to push for the following like like for instance you're not going to have the end of wrestlemania end with like some gaga after the main event you're not going to have some now 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 granted it's a little different situation because i know how you feel about you're not going to have the winner of the royal rumble get interrupted to set up monday night raw like we got excuse me Except for except for when Ronda Rousey showed up and interrupted Oscar's Royal Rumble win, because I know that's probably okay, where you're going you go with it. You, you knew exactly what I was going to hit you with because that's, and that's it's why one of the worst it. fucking moments of a yep. live performance that I've seen. But that wasn't setting up Monday Night Raw. That was setting up longer term story. That was setting up Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. That wasn't setting up just the next night. Whereas the end of this pay per view just set up for AEW Dynamite three days later. And that was probably, to me, the biggest knock that I had on the card. Now, granted, 
after the show, they always they always let people get on the mic and stuff like that. And that's stuff that, that, that the live crowd gets to see that we don't get to see at home. So right. I get all that. But uh, what we got to see on on TV, what we got to see on pay-per-view, um, I, I, I felt left a bad taste in my mouth mouth in a sense of this has been a great show, like arguably top five pay-per-view, top five premium live event, whatever you want to call it in pro wrestling in the year 2022 and to end setting up an angle for a weekly television show main event just seemed a little weak to me. Would you, would you kind of feel the same way? Like, or are you just I mean, completely? I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as you did, I think, but I, it, it, it to me, it did feel unnecessary. Yes. But I think it was all just to get Claudio in that ring one more time. Yeah, I agree with I can and agree with that you, too. What, what also you didn't see, which was awesome, which might put this in perspective just a little bit more, they had uh, Brody's son come out. Oh, and, that's awesome. And get on the mic and just say, thank you, everyone, for coming out. And uh, he, he talked about each person in the ring, you know, Moxley and – uh and claudio and all that and uh and tito and ortiz and so he he talked a lot about about them so i'll say that too that you know that was pretty cool and you know tony came out with the kid and all that it was so that doesn't change my mind that it was still unnecessary but it does change my mind a little bit to where it's like okay they wanted to get everybody in the ring so that the kid could say something i get it i'm with it so, uh, PJ, that was AEW, uh, AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. All in all, scale of one to five, where would you rank this as a total show? Five, and it's not even close. I agree completely. Now, I mentioned uh, at the end of Break It Down, we were going to kind of, you know, talk about the future post this pay-per-view. Uh, we would get the Blood and Guts match, which is basically AEW's answer to War Games Wednesday night. Uh, apparently Santana uh, suffered a severe knee injury um, at blood and guts uh, three days following uh, this show. Uh, probably not going to see him for quite some time. Curious to see how that, that furthers the storyline between uh, Kingston, obviously Santana and Ortiz against the Jericho appreciation society. Um, but then also we, you know, we're going to have some, some you know fallout from the pay-per-view bj what are you looking forward to most post forbidden door regarding uh aew um in the same um in the same vine as this pay-per-view i want more of this i want more of the new japan kind of shit i want more you know we're gonna i think we're gonna get even more of that when ring of honor starts getting up and running after tony khan is um uh put in more of his um of his input you know after he bought it um yeah more of this kind of stuff more of the collaboration uh i think it's super fun and i think we will soon see as far as specifically aew um i think we're gonna see even more stars make their way up the ladder man and um yeah i can't wait to see what the future brings to be honest with you so you mentioned ring of honor and when they get ring of honor going do you think that there is a chance that Dynamite and Rampage distance themselves from each other so that the Friday night show is no longer an AEW branded show. It becomes Ring of Honor Rampage. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, because that's what, you know, honestly, that's what Eric Bischoff's original vision 
of what WCW and the NWO were going to be is that they were going to be competing companies. Right. And that NWO was going to get Monday Nitro and that WCW was going to get Thunder. So I would, I'm, I'm to your, to your point, I'd love to see uh, that division between AEW and ring of honor. Um, so that you can get them both on each shows, but that one show becomes more about ring of honor and the other show more about AEW, obviously AEW being a bigger name at this point, obviously than yeah. ring of honor, but they're pushing these ring of honor championships, the tag titles, uh, Samoa Joe being the television champion. I don't even know who is the ring of honor world champion at this point. It is, I think it's still Jonathan Grisham, but I could be wrong. Um, Cause that's somebody we have not seen on AEW programming is the, AE, is the, is the ring of honor world champion. So nevertheless, to your point, I I'm, I'm curious to see what goes on from there. Like you, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I don't know. I think you're right. Head, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's Jonathan Grisham. Yeah. I, I'm pretty, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on with that too. To your point, I would love to see more of this. They're obviously with uh, Umino getting hit in the face with a fireball. That storyline is not over with. Um, you're going to see uh, more with FTR and someone from New Japan because they are now the New Japan or the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Um, they're still, I still in my heart believe that they are going to set up for an undisputed elite versus AEW Bullet Club being uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against um, the New Japan Bullet Club, which would be Jay White and and insert uh, Bullet Club tag team here. I, I also mentioned that I wanted to talk about this in the main event as well. We t- we've talked about WCW doing this in the past. We've talked about Ring of Honor teaming up with New Japan. We've talked about Impact and in, in, in AEW having a partnership. What would you, and we're going to fantasy book here for a minute, because I know the show has gone long, so I appreciate everybody staying with us this long. What would be the most intriguing angle? If you were to, if you were, let's, let's say to be able to do a global crossover, let's do a, let's do a, a crossover event. Unlike anything we've ever seen, like a true wrestle kingdom mania forbidden door. Where we got oh, shit. Okay. Where we got like New Japan, AEW, Impact, and WWE involved. Like, what do you think would be the most intriguing thing to see if you could get all of them involved in you know in an angle where, where all of them get to have a crossover show? Oh man. I threw you a curveball, didn't I? You had no idea uh, this is that coming. is so fucking huge. Um the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is you book it to where WWE is your heels and these quote unquote little companies are coming after the big dog. Um, no pun to Roman Reigns are coming yeah. after WWE. Um, and you book it to where you have people who you have wrestlers who have, you know, they, they still say like, well, to be, to be in WWE, that's the top tier, that's the top, blah, blah, blah. And they defect over to WWE and, and so on and so forth. Um, but you to me, you book it to where WWE are your villains. And you see matches like um, Kazushika Okada and Roman Reigns, um, you know, which un- unstoppable. Um, 
you see matches, you know, going back. If Cody Rhodes is still in WWE, you see matches going back to where, you know, Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho now on different playing fields, um, you know, go against each other. Uh, I think that would be just fun. Um, will it ever happen? Probably not. But it is cool to think about these kind of things. So I, I agree with you. So, so here's so here's a question. Let's let's take Impact out of it because I don't think honestly anybody in Impact, and this is no knock on Impact. I don't think anybody on Impact Wrestling right now is kind of at the same level as the top guys in AEW, WWE, or New Japan. Right. Would you would you agree? So yeah. So let's uh so so let's let's fantasy book this. Um, you get an AEW World Champion. Imagine Forbidden Door, but but throw a throw WWE in there. So you're gonna have world title matches. Obviously, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match, a, a an IWGP Championship match, and an AEW Championship match. You get one person for each title. You get the IWGP World Champion Jay White taking on one person from. AEW and one person from WWE. Who do you put in there against Jay White for the IWGP World Championship? I pick someone from AEW and WWE. Yes, from AEW, uh, Darby Allen. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you no, got from, jokes. A jokes boy. Uh, from AEW, I will definitely say. Um, I'm gonna give you. Let's my go. Number. I was going to give yeah, you, you go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah, you go. No, you good. So IWGP World Championship, Jay White from WWE, AJ Styles from New Japan or from 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 AEW. I'm throwing Adam Cole back in there because now you've okay. got you've got Adam Cole, uh, Bullet Club leader. You've got AJ Styles, former Bullet Club leader. And you've got Jay White, current leader of the Bullet Club, all vying for the eight for the for the IWGP World Championship. So I'm going to change up your scenario. I'm going to do it where it's WWE versus AEW. The winner of that match goes on to face Jay White, and from WWE, I'd have Shinsuke Nakamura. Ooh, and that's AEW, good. AEW, I'd have Brian Danielson, and the so- winner of that is facing Jay White one on one. So you got That's Dan- what I would do. So you've got Danielson against uh, against Nakamura, and the winner of that fights Jay White. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I like. I think I would. I could see Nakamura in the in the match, but I'd still like. To, I I don't know. I'd still like to see uh, Adam Cole or see. And then the reason I'm not putting who I'm going to talk about next in that match is because I want to see them. Vying for the other title, so we've we've got our matches set for the for the IWGP fantasy booking. Yeah. Okay, the AEW World Championship now held by John Moxley. One person from New Japan, one person from WWE. So for that, I would pick. Um, <laughs> for so for that, we could have we could definitely have fun with that because I would pick um, AJ Styles from WWE. And from uh, New Japan, I would probably pick. Yeah, see, I had somebody, and then, uh, you know, it's hard to pick because I- I'd love to see Kota Ibushi, but I don't know if he's going back to New Japan now after all the the bullshit. So let's stick with what we know, 
and I'll put in um oh uh, no, no, back it up again. Take AJ Styles out. I'll put in uh Finn Balor, Shingo Takagi. Ooh, Shingo Takagi, Finn Balor, John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see you and I'm gonna raise you. I'm gonna go uh AEW World Championship, John Moxley defending against Tessia Naito. Mm. And from WWE, uh, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me, Cody Rhodes. No, that would that that would be just cool. That would be fun. I knew yeah. I knew one of us were gonna put him in there. Yeah, I would, uh, and I would argue that too. That that's a that's a good match. Um, and I would argue too to replace Shingo with Naito as well. I mean, fantastic. Uh, if I had to do a, um, you know, I mean, you could go in it you could go all day to do a intercontinental or you know a u.s um iwgp united states champion and i'd love to see you know claudio in there um again and will osprey's there i'd like to see claudio will osprey and ricochet Ooh, that would be fun to watch um i'm gonna give you my wwe title match so obviously you got roman reigns defending and i think that the names that are pretty obvious but just to have them vying for the WWE Championship would be phenomenal. Roman Reigns defends against Okada and Kenny Omega for the WWE Championship. Yeah, that's that's pretty much your top tier. That's your, I mean, that's what I would have said. That is really your, I mean, your ultimate. You know, I, I say it again: the ultimate dream match, right there. Like Jesus Christ, could you oh, imagine? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's um, good stuff, man. I, I'll, I'll I'll book this: um, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I think that's held right now by oof. uh God, who holds that belt right now? Um I'll find out. I want to say damn. the junior tag team championship. No, or- not the junior, just the I think it's Tajiri uh uh or no uh Tashi Ishimori. I'm pretty sure that he is the junior um IWGP junior heavyweight championship or champion. Okay, yeah. Uh because oh he is because Kushida made his um, return. Re, yeah, return to New Japan. Made yeah. his return, and okay, so it is uh, Tashi Ishimori is your junior heavyweight championship or champion. So let's let's think about that. So uh, a cruiserweight from AEW and a cruiserweight from uh, WWE, and you know what I'm going to hit you with for the IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Let's put Darby Allen in there, and from WWE, I mean, you could well. You could even throw Ricochet in there, yep. uh, if not for the United States champion. Um, but also, it'd be cool to see, uh, like you know, Rey Mysterio in there. Yes, that's the that's the as thing most I would put as in long there. As he can still go, you know. Yeah, Rey Mysterio versus Darby Allen versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGB Junior Heavyweight Championship. That would be a pretty fun match. I don't. Has Rey Mysterio ever had a stint in New Japan Pro Wrestling? That'd yeah, he be- has. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see him go back now and see what he. Oh, that's right. Because didn't or maybe that was in the AAA where where um, somebody was set up for the six one nine and they broke their neck and died in the middle of the match. Oh, so, that was uh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, if it wasn't AAA, it was another um, Mexican Federation. Yeah. 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 Well, nevertheless, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the New Japan AEW crossover. Um, I'm the, having fun just talking about this. We could do a whole yeah, podcast. Yeah, we about could. This yeah, because I mean, the, yeah, I think Forbidden Door. The concept of it is that companies can work together and put dream matches together that are unlike any other. And if the companies can come to an agreement 
that, hey, we're going to make my champion look strong. If I'll let, if you let my champion look strong, I will let yours look strong. Give me your best guys to, to feed to my champion, and I'll give my best guys to feed to your champion. I think, you know, it could work. Obviously, it worked with Forbidden Door, and hopefully um, we'll get more of this in the future. And then if, you know, we're not going to get in the conversation now because the show is gone extremely long at this point. But if it comes to the day where Vincent Mann is no longer running the show in WWE, uh, maybe somebody can take over and, and make a change. I mean, we did see, with the help of Triple H, we did see Jushin Thunder Liger make his only appearance in WWE. Uh, against Tyler Breeze. Against yep. Tyler Breeze at an NXT TakeOver. So, um, really good stuff here. PJ, we are we are way up against it. I don't know how this show is even going to make air on <laughs> on um, the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network this week. Um, next week, obviously, we've got Money in the Bank, and then we've got a classic SummerSlam we're going to review and an ECW deep dive that you and I are going to record. Uh, but, PJ, before we go, do you have anything with Guardians Warlock that you would like to plug? I know you've got some shows coming up in the month of July. Yeah, we've got two shows, July 29th and 30th, and we've got five shows in August that we're looking at. Um, really great stuff that we got. Uh, we got new, brand new merch coming out with our uh, new design, uh, which I'm really happy about. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, it's the design, the Cartoon Network style design with all of our pets. We're really happy about that. We're also working on physical copies of our live record. So a few things going on. Um, and we're really happy about it. And we cannot wait to get back on stage. I am definitely having stage withdrawals. So I'm stoked about it. Well, tell them, tell them where the website they can go to for your merch when it comes up and tell them where you're playing at the end of the month. So the 29th will be playing at the Tin Roof in Charleston and the 30th will be playing at the Art Bar in Columbia. Um, back on August 5th, we're playing Trolley Pub in Somerville. In August 13th, we're playing Alabama. We're playing the True Story True Story Brewing Company in Alabama. Uh, we come back, we play Columbia again, and then Tin Roof Charleston as well that weekend of the, uh, the weekend after that. So I guess, what would that be, the 20th, 21st, maybe? No, 21st, that Thursday, 23rd, 24th. Uh, then I'll be in Charlotte for the New Japan Pro Wrestling um show i think high alert is what it's called yep, and the week yep. after uh then uh well that's this month rather but then at the end of august we'll be playing trolley pub again to end the summer so really great stuff we're super stoked about it and you can check out our band camp guardianswarlock.com where you can find um actually it's guardian arts band camp guardianswarlock666.com where you can find all of our brand new merch well great stuff pj this has been really fun it's been a while and that might be why we talked so much today um, but glad we were able to come back and have this show. Thank you so much uh, for, you know, giving us your experience at Forbidden Door in Chicago. And yeah, it was unbelievable, man. Un-fucking-believable. Great stuff there. So, uh, so again, uh, we've got some fun shows coming for you next week. Money in the Bank uh, preview or Money in the Bank re review, I should say. Uh, then we've got, again, the ECW Deep Dive and a classic SummerSlam that we are going to review, main evented by PJ's favorite big man, Vader, competing, uh, challenging the heartbreak hit Shawn Michaels for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Um, and then again, uh, we got some football shows. If you've been following my social media, football shows are coming back. The end of the summertime means the beginning of football season, and we are already in the month of July, meaning training camps will be picking up here soon. So stay tuned for some football shows coming up. 
But as far as today's show goes, we have gone long and we greatly appreciate you being here as long as we've been talking. For PJ Steven, for Tap House and Touchdowns, it's your guy, Bully Rye, and I'll be around.